0: This is ASHA Voices, I'm J.D. Gray. As we look toward 2022 and 2021 ends, we hear from members sharing both gratitude and grief. Stories of the year gone by, shared by voices you may recognize. Plus, in the spirit of reflection, ASHA's CEO, Arlene Pytranton, takes a bow. After 18 years leading the association, Arlene shares stories and reflects on the mission that sustained her service. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices. Support Asha Voices comes from Asha's online conference, Reading, Writing, and the SLP, Preschool to High School. This continuing education opportunity begins February 2nd. Save $100 when you register by January 11th. Learn more at on.asha.org/reading22. Let's start the episode with the one thing we know we can expect in 2022. Not unlike other years, that thing is change. The past two years of Arlene Pytranton's tenure as ASHA's chief executive officer saw her leading through something almost impossible to imagine, but it is, of course, our reality. A pandemic that drastically overhauled how audiologists and speech-language pathologists work and live. Among those disruptions was the cancellation of the 2020 ASHA convention, and when the hybrid online and in-person 2021 convention occurred last month, the news had already been announced. Arlene would be retiring and after 18 years, ending her tenure as Ash's third chief executive. On the closing night of this year's convention, colleagues honored Arlene at a retirement celebration. I asked her to take us to that moment. What was going through her mind that night and what was she reflecting on?
1: It's very special and it's very bittersweet. I love this role that I have had the privilege of having entrusted to me for these last 18 years and the incredible people that I get to work with, um, ASHES members, our volunteer leaders, our staff, colleagues in other organizations. It is an amazing opportunity and experience. It also is time for me in my life to move on to my next phase, my hope and expectation is that it's one where i will have a lot more flexibility and discretionary time and be able to pursue some of the other things in life that i also really enjoy so the event at convention was really bittersweet because i'm embracing moving into this next phase and looking forward to it but i'm going to really miss the people in particular, and the meaningful work that I've had the opportunity to be engaged in over my over my whole career, starting as a speech-language pathologist and working at ASHA for about seven years before I became CEO. So there are a lot of mixed emotions or, or varied emotions. I, I don't know that they're necessarily mixed, but they are definitely varied. I'm really grateful for the wonderful support that I've experienced from my ASHA family over these last several months as I head into retirement. There's been an opportunity to reminisce about a lot of wonderful moments, uh, some sad ones in terms of some of the folks who we've worked with over the years who are no longer with us. But really, as I reflect, it's been an incredibly meaningful and fulfilling journey
0: you're just speaking about some of those memories i wanted to ask you about a few december often the time for reflection the december that features retirement is perhaps even more so a time to look back lately have there been memories that you find yourself revisiting
1: oh my gosh um yes uh, tons and tons of them <laughs> do you want me to mention a few jd
0: that would be wonderful any favorites any standouts
1: it's, it's kind of hard to narrow it down. So um, there are some that stand out for me as unique experiences that I've had the opportunity to participate in. So one for sure is an experience that was a fairly recent one in 2019, attending uh, meetings at the United Nations, attending the Conference of State Parties on the convention, of the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which is a long-standing event at the United Nations. But for the first time, I was uh, one of a small group of folks on behalf of individuals with speech, language, hearing, balance, swallowing, related disabilities, being able to participate in events to speak directly to the impact and the importance of understanding and addressing communication related disability so that was a remarkable experience and it was wonderful because the information that we were bringing was welcomed and appreciated you know of course the next year that event would have taken place in June of 2020 Uh, it was cancelled and this year it happened virtually so I'm hoping that hopefully in the coming year, in 2022, that work will be able to carry on. But really grateful to have had the opportunity to be one of the pioneering spokespersons on behalf of communication disability. So that was a remarkable experience.
0: Yeah, what an incredible experience and and an incredible responsibility there.
1: That was obviously pretty awesome. Um, You know, there are others. um, It's probably obvious I've met any number of really wonderful and incredible individuals who understand through their lived experience the incredible importance of effective and reliable communication. One example is I had the opportunity, I guess this is also a fairly recent memory, it would have been the 2014 ASHA convention that took place in Orlando. Our guest speaker for the opening session that year was Harry Belafonte and his daughter and granddaughter. And they spoke to the importance of effective communication and also uh, of using your voice to speak up for impact and social justice. And I had the responsibility that year of interviewing them uh, as that was the format for the opening session. And, you know, we, of course, had some time uh, limitations. And we had a big countdown clock on the stage in front of us. And as we were approaching the end of our time, Mr. Belafonte's daughter, Adrian said, Dad, we're going to be running out of time if you could make this answer short. And I remember it was there was kind of this twinkle in his eye as he looked back at his daughter. And I thought, you know, I think all of us who are here listening to Mr. Belafonte are really willing to let things go over a few minutes to hear this incredible man's story. And so I turned to the audience and I said, I'm going to take a guess here. We're all okay. Um, Saying, you know, please go ahead and tell us the full story. And everybody, you know, clapped and cheered. And so um, Mr. Belafonte finished his full story with us. And then, you know, JD, there are these incredible milestones along the way relative to our professions. So, work that started before I became ASHA's CEO, where ASHA helped to lead the coalition that was successful in having newborn hearing screening policies mandated so that babies that are born in hospitals in the United States now have their hearing tested before they leave the hospital. Prior to newborn hearing screening, The average age at which a a child who was born congenitally deaf or with a congenital hearing loss was uh, the age of identification was a couple of years. Now it's a matter of months. Whether you're a parent or not, all of us know newborns, and you know we can relate to the the concern that family members have when there's a child who's not responding to uh, spoken language and to sounds around them, and having. The time period where you get information about how you can help that child shorten from several years to a couple of months is huge in the quality of life for those children. So, you know, that was a really significant milestone. Another one in the last probably six years, I would say, was in the Affordable Care Act when we were successful in adding language to cover... Habilitation, rehabilitation, had been in health policy for a very long time, but to have habilitation, pre-existing conditions, congenital conditions, uh, developmental conditions covered was a huge milestone so that the coverage extended beyond an injury or an acquired condition. So that was a big milestone.
0: Wow. I was going to ask about uh, these achievements, and I I mean, the list that I have even goes on and on. Membership growth, membership has almost tripled since when you began, there's policy wins. Personally, you've been honored with recognition as CEO of the year from Association Trends and ASAE, industry groups, among other awards. Is there a specific achievement from your tenure that you are proudest of?
1: I don't think there's only one, JD, and thank you for reviewing some of those things. I think there is something that, uh, if you will, threads across many of those things that ASHA and or I have been able to help bring about over the last 18 or so years, and that is the culture of this organization, the culture of this association. It is one where Volunteer leaders and staff work in partnership, work collaboratively with one another. I think we're able to identify meaningful priorities and then each do our part to help make them happen. And we do that in a, in a disciplined way where we identify the priority, identify the work that needs to happen, who needs to do that work, hold each other accountable, support each other along the way. So I think it's a culture where we really try to be clear and focused and set meaningful, challenging and achievable goals and work in good alignment where we all bring our best and uh, really strive to make things happen, to make a difference.
0: You can read an interview with Arlene in the December issue of the ASHA leader. It's in that interview, Arlene says, quote, what sustained me across my career is the reason I first entered the discipline. There are few things more important than helping to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to communicate effectively. In my conversation with Arlene, I asked her if she could share a little bit about why she believes in the importance of communication and how it sustained her.
1: Well, I think that's an excellent question. And uh, you- What we're doing right now is uh, one very small but meaningful example. The way that people connect with one another, relate to one another, help one another, collaborate with one another always involves at least some level and amount of communication. So it's so fundamental to how we function as humans. It's so fundamental to the person that we are. Our voice, our thought processes, our opportunity and ability to communicate our needs, our preferences, our likes, our dislikes. It's a big part of how we as an individual show up and how others identify us and experience us. And it's an absolutely necessary part of how we as humans fulfill our potential individually and collectively. Effective communication is necessary for meaningful social connections. It's necessary for successful academic performance. It's necessary in almost every vocation you can think of. And it's certainly necessary for us to be able to come together, to work together, to be able to set goals and strive to achieve them.
0: Arlene, thank you so much for your time and your reflections.
1: J.D., I really appreciate the conversation and thank you.
0: I mentioned earlier in this episode that Arlene is ASH's third chief executive, and we do know who will be the fourth. Vicki Deal-Williams, the current chief staff officer for ASHA's Office of Multicultural Affairs, will be the next ASHA CEO. Arlene told me she's working with Vicki through this transition. Together, they're having meetings and conversations with groups and colleagues, including speech language hearing organizations in other parts of the world. Read the full ASHA Leader Magazine interview with Arlene in the pages of the December issue of the ASHA Leader Magazine, or find it online at leader.pubs.asha.org. Best of luck to you, Arlene. I wish you much happiness and retirement and a 2022 built from your greatest hopes. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, voices of reflection, help us close out the year. The support for ASHA Voices comes from ASHA's online conference, Reading, Writing, and the SLP, Preschool to High School. From February 2nd to 14th, this continuing education opportunity will explore the unique role SLPs play in reading and writing assessment and intervention. You can earn up to 2.2 ASHA CEUs. Save $100 when you register by January 11th. Learn more at on.asha.org reading22. I can distinctly remember this time last year. As the calendar page prepared to flip from 2020 to 2021, many of us were speculating, just what would 2021 bring? I asked audiologists and SLPs to share their wishes for 2021. They told me their hopes and their goals, what they were looking forward to. Now that year is coming to a close as well. I reached back out to those who shared their thoughts with me a year ago, and I asked them this simple question, what happened? The responses surprised me, from messages of gratitude and hope to those of pain and grief. As we leave 2021 behind, join me in listening to these reflections on another year gone by.
2: Hi, I'm Lisa Cannon, Educational Audiologist for Denver Public Schools in Denver, Colorado, and the current president of the Educational Audiology Association. Last year, I was hopeful that we would see an increase, or really an explosion, In accessibility options for individuals with hearing loss. I do think that hope has come true in a lot of ways. One example we saw was when a lot of pressure was put on Zoom for restricting captions to paid accounts, but everyone needed captions last year when the world went virtual, not just those with hearing loss. Through major public outcry, they realized the value of this technology and changed their policy to offer captions to all accounts. Another example that I think continues today is the realization of how challenging it can be when communicating behind masks. I believe that recognition will keep shining light and empathy on how much we take for granted both our hearing and our nonverbal communications like speech reading and facial expressions. It continues to be hard to stay positive right now, but I do believe the worldwide pandemic has placed a focus on communication and that should be a cause for celebration.
3: My name is Stacey Crowley. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, where I have a private practice. And a year ago, I shared that the pandemic taught me to ask the question, what is most essential? The answer for me was the well-being of adults who work with and raise children. So I've spent the last year teaching mindfulness-based emotional intelligence, or adult SEL, to educators and therapists from around the world. And as I stand here today, I would double down on what is most essential. From what I've seen, we are overwhelmed and even more stressed than we were a year ago. And our dysregulated nervous systems are interfacing with children who need us to be regulated so that they can form secure attachments and feel safe and learn and grow with adults who have the practices and skills to teach them the SEL skills they need, all while feeling safe. So, health and well-being is still number one for me.
4: Hi, I'm Fong Lin Palafox. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a Vietnamese-Chinese SLP from Austin, Texas. Last year I spoke about how 2020 unveiled many aches within our field. For those of us who felt safe enough to share our stories and experiences as SLPs of color, there were preliminary statements and action plans. The challenges remain alongside the small steps that bend our work toward justice. Personally, I invested time in mentorship of bilingual, bicultural SLPs and SLPs to be. These efforts were mutually fueling. Also, I worked alongside school districts and state organizations to empower culturally responsive practices. How did those efforts land? Peers began to understand the value of multilingual communicators, native languages were honored in assessments, and caretaker input was valued as data. For me, I have never abandoned our sacred profession, despite all of the pains and necessary growth. While our ultimate goals are far away, I'm intentionally pouring in the love and the struggle to propel our work forward. Hi, I'm Megan Flood-Campnell,
5: a speech-language
4: pathologist based in the Madison, Wisconsin
5: area. Last year, I had a series of life changes within three days. I got married, the COVID-19 pandemic shut down everything, and I started a job in the schools. I also transitioned to teletherapy. I couldn't really tell which end was up in 2020, but it gave me a lot to look forward to in 2021, like improved health, safety, and time with family and friends. Unfortunately, this was in no way my lived reality, and I grieve that. As we started the new school year in person, administration announced the pandemic was over. All COVID protocols were thrown out the window as we watched our community continue to suffer with COVID. It was surreal. I was one of many staff members who contracted a breakthrough case from school, and it was swept under the rug. I'm still really, really bitter. And now I find myself struggling with our first pregnancy loss. The current pain dampens the joys of my job and the holidays, and I can only hope 2022 brings us more reasons to celebrate. Hi,
6: I'm Katie Strong, faculty member in speech-language pathology at Central Michigan University. Last time at this year, we were fully online with classes and clinic. We had limited face-to-face contact with our students, clients, and peers. We were surviving, but everything seemed so surreal and took so much effort. Today, we're back in the classroom and clinic physically, masked of course, but we also have the flexibility to offer online ways to engage in the classroom, and many of our clients preferred to stay with teletherapy. During class this week, I asked my students how I should respond to this interview, and we came up with a few things to celebrate.
0: Katie highlights three contributions from her students. They're celebrating the opportunities that come from being on campus again and the social connections that are possible from being near each other while there. Katie says speech-language treatment is more accessible for clients because of the hybrid approach that Campus Clinic has taken. And finally, Katie says the students wanted to highlight the development of what she calls a great professional skill, flexibility.
6: So last year we were surviving this year we are thriving and while we'd love to be in person without masks we are celebrating the progress that we're making
0: a new year often means different things to each of us but i have to admit there's something about it that invites a question of possibility what will i find in 2022 one thing you can find in 2022, new episodes of ASHA Voices, including two episodes next month covering the opioid epidemic and what it means for those working in audiology and speech-language pathology. Find them in your podcast feed or at on.asha.org podcast. ASHA Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the ASHA Leader Magazine. Support for ASHA Voices comes from ASHA's online conference, Reading, Writing, and the SLP, Preschool to High School, and it begins February 2nd. Save $100 when you register by January 11th. Learn more at on.asha.org reading22. Production assistance for ASHA Voices comes from Pamela Lawrence, I'm J.D. Gray, and this is ASHA Voices.